The New Statesman. Hello and welcome to this special episode of the New Statesman podcast, hosted by the New Statesman Spotlight team. We report on policy for those who shape it and the business leaders it affects. Today, is your web browser keeping your data safe? This episode is brought to you in association with Google Chrome OS. I'm Becky Slack. Whether you work in an office or remotely, the chances are that if you're a so-called white collar worker, you do many of your daily tasks inside a web browser and you likely think nothing of it. But the rise of browser-based working has created new points of weakness for corporate cybersecurity. In August, the UK's National Cyber Security Centre, which is part of GCHQ, along with 12 international counterparts, issued a joint advisory warning organisations about the importance of updating their systems after malicious cyber actors routinely targeted older software in 2022. They specifically mentioned these actors targeting flaws in internet-facing systems. This was despite security updates being available. I'm joined by a pair of esteemed guests who are going to discuss why secure browsing is vital for organisations and employers in today's economy, what kind of risk unsafe browsers carry, and how policy and regulation can help. Emily Stark is a software engineer at Google, and Matt Hasker is Global Web Director of Internet Safety website, Get Safe Online. Emily, Matt, welcome to the podcast. Matt, let's start with you. Can you please paint a picture for our listeners of the risk posed by unsafe browsers? Yeah, certainly. So I think the first thing to think about is the the amount of data that we are entering to a web browser is sort of day-to-day basis. So we're not just talking about usernames, emails, passwords, but let's take a couple of additional examples. We're looking at banking and sensitive information. So if when you're banking, also more and more of us are banking online these days, if we're not using our banking's mobile app, we'll be using a web browser. So we log into a banking website with a username and password, maybe a PIN, but then obviously you're doing all of your financial transactions through that. And if we look at maybe sensitive information, so if you're a company and you're um, using a customer relationship management software, you're obviously inputting customer data on a day-to-day basis, you're retrieving that data, you may be downloading that data. So we're transferring more and more data through browsers every day. So now imagine if you're using a web browser and it's been compromised, if you're using a browser that um, has been updated for a little while, or it's already been compromised, you've got an extension that's been compromised, you may inadvertently be sending that data to a malicious third party. There's a lot of attack vectors that can happen. I haven't really got a lot of time to (laughs) spend on listing them all. But this is why it's really important that we've got to keep browsers up to date because all this data that we are sharing on the internet on a day-to-day basis, we're not just talking about social media posts. We're we're talking about personal, sensitive, financial information. Um, Unsafe browsers, they also pose a risk to the user in terms of Trojans, viruses, ransomware. Ransomware is a, a really nasty one. And um, unsafe browsing, if you're using a browser that's out of date, you could be redirected to a website that looks like the website that you want to go to, but it's not. So you are either inadvertently handing your information to that website 
or you could be downloading some malicious software to your machine thinking it's legitimate or it's downloading in the background. All these things pose a risk to you as a user. And this is why it's really vital. I'd also want to add that there's hundreds of browsers out there. We may not know it, but there's loads of browsers out there developed by all sorts of parties. Obviously, we know as an individual and as a company, we have a good idea of which ones we can use, which ones we trust, because they're distributed by vendors who we've come to know over the years and trust. But there are other browsers out there that um, are developed by other people, and some of them are malicious. I came across one the other day where I thought, oh, this looks really good. You can add certain things to that. That looks like it increased productivity. That's the sales pitch. Then I installed it and it got around certain security measures on my operating system just to install, which obviously set alarm bells ringing. So I check everything, make sure that everything in my testing environment was safe, which it was. So it really does also boil down to the right browser we're using, as well as just trying to keep that one up, keep your browsers up to date. That sounds very complicated. Like, How as an ordinary person do I know whether my browser is safe? What should I be looking for? Well, as a user, we tend to use browsers that come with the device. So if you've got a mobile device, when you buy the mobile device, it will be the operating system will come from a particular vendor. That vendor will already have a browser pre-installed. And so as a user, we tend to use what's already installed because it's distributed by the operating system vendor and they will have their own browser installed in there and you would use that. You know that it's supported, it's trusted because it's come from that vendor. So as a standard user who doesn't want to go into the world of choosing a different browser, you'll have one that's pre-installed that will be automatically updated and you'll be safe to use that. If you're a little bit more tech savvy or you've used a browser over the years and you say, oh yeah, I like browser A over browser B, then absolutely fine. You can go and download and install that. Mobile devices will have their own app store. So you go to the app store, you would download the browser from that. When developers upload software to the app stores, they will be checked for certain things. Is it safe? Is it doing anything that it shouldn't be doing? That's okay that it's verified and then it's published. But as a user, you would be using more than likely using the browser that's come as part of your operating system. It will already be set to automatic updates. Our advice is to leave it on automatic updates. With automatic updates enabled, you shouldn't have to worry about anything that happens in the background. If it is out of date, the browser will tend to say, hey, look, it's out of date. You need to update your browser. As a company, you may want to publish a browser to your users. So there may be a piece of software that only works with browser A. So what you would do as a company is either use your IT department or your IT supplier to distribute this browser across all of your users and push updates out accordingly. I've seen situations where companies would rather choose to be selective with their updates or postpone updates if they're not critical, because if an update to a browser occurs and it doesn't work with a particular website or a particular software that that company is using, um, the IT department or supplier will want to test that first before publishing. But that's absolutely fine. If there's critical updates, a security update that needs to be posted quickly, then our advice there is obviously to get that out there as quick as you can. Emily, I'm going to come to you now. Google Chrome has made safety a key feature. Before we get into that, can you tell us, for Google, what role does browser security play in thinking about overall web safety? So cyber attacks uh, have been estimated to cost the global economy about $7 trillion per year. 
And increasingly, the browser is a platform that attackers are looking to leverage to gain access to an organization's network in, in an enterprise setting. So with, with over 2 billion global users of Chrome, secure browsing is a huge priority for us. It just has to be with those kinds of numbers. We take a, a least privileged approach to security. That's an approach that is sometimes known as zero trust, a zero trust model. And that is a model in which we are limiting access to resources to only those who have a proven need to use them. So this is moving away from an older model where security checks might happen at a network boundary and instead authorizing an employee's device in a way that allows it to take advantage of identity information and device state and for those signals to be considered when granting access to individual corporate resources. So in the security world, we sometimes call that least privilege, and uh, that's known as a zero trust model. A modern browser is just this hugely complex piece of software. It's bound to have bugs, and some of those bugs are going to have security consequences. And so my team and I, the Chrome security team, spend a lot of time trying to stop bugs from being introduced in the first place. And then find and fix bugs before attackers find them and exploit them. So even though if we suppose that we live in a nice hypothetical world where Chrome's code or really any browser code is, is bug free, that still wouldn't mean that there would be no security risks. Users still might get tricked by phishing campaigns, for example, or they might get tricked into downloading or installing malware or even just mishandling corporate data. And Chrome provides solutions for these more sort of social engineering or human level threats, um, things like safe browsing, extension security and policy controls, data loss prevention, and these all help mitigate these sorts of risks. Browser security. I mean, I've been involved with different conversations about cybersecurity over time, and it's not always that this comes up. Do you think that browser security is often overlooked in these important conversations? So for browser security in the enterprise, there are a few frontiers where web security needs to be prioritized. Firstly, and there, these are all these communities where cybersecurity has to be elevated. The developer community, for example, the community of web developers have a responsibility to build websites securely. Then we can talk about the community of browser providers like Chrome, who can steer standards in a safer direction by providing a layer of defense. And that's something that Chrome is heavily involved in, web standardization. And secure browser development requires collaboration with the entire browser cybersecurity community. And then finally, there's the enterprise organizations themselves who need to be able to apply the right degree of controls, which means that the browser needs to expose those controls, especially when it comes to high-risk users or sensitive data. Considering that many security risks today originate from the internet, as an employee's point of contact with the internet, it's sort of like the front door of their house, it can be the first link in the attack chain. So protecting that connection point via a secure browser is, like I said, like securing the door to your house. And it's the first crucial step towards a secure environment. Enterprise organizations are at risk of employees visiting sites that can maybe take advantage of a browser bug to surreptitiously install malicious programs. Those are known as drive-by download attacks. And as I talked about, their employees are also vulnerable to clicking on phishing links or getting tricked or socially engineered in, in various ways. Even genuine websites that are not trying to be malicious can uh, use insecure encryption standards, and that can pose a risk that an attacker can exploit. So defending from all these risks requires participation from web developers, browsers, and enterprise organizations themselves. They all have to elevate security to choose to use secure software and then configure it securely. 
So given this range of risks, the potential for human error, the sheer volume of time employees spend on websites and web-based software, it's important that protections provided by the browser are, are built in. And that is what gives web users the ability to safely visit any website. It's what gives the web and all the flexibility and power that it has. That's why people can visit tens or even hundreds of sites over the course of a workday and, and remain safe. That's really interesting. What are the sort of common pitfalls that companies and other organizations might be, might be guilty of when it comes to browsers? Are there particular trends that you've noticed? I think we see a lot of password misuse. So not deploying password managers, protections against password reuse. We really encourage enterprises to use things like security keys or pass keys, which are unfishable modes of authentication. We also see a lot of a lot of attacks coming in through extensions. So managing the the extensions that an organization's users can install and vetting those kind of in the way that a traditional IT team would vet desktop applications can be an important way to prevent an organization from getting infiltrated. I can see that there's a certain amount of responsibility that lies with the IT teams themselves, but what about the staff who are actually using the computers? What kind of training and what kind of awareness should be going on with, with staff? Well, we really think it should be the responsibility of the browser vendor, the web developer, and the IT admin to make sure that the user doesn't have to think about security as much as possible. Uh, but that said, um, there are some good practices that, that the end user should always follow when using the web to try to stay safe. Um, looking at the, uh, the URL in the address bar before entering sensitive data can be important for distinguishing that the user is actually on the website that they intend to be on. Uh, so you want to look at the website and make sure that you are on accounts.google.com and not accounts.secure-google-login.com, which could actually be a phishing site. And again, the browser has embedded controls to try to protect against that those kinds of phishing attacks, but the user can be kind of a last layer of defense, checking that they're always on the website that they intend to be on by looking at that domain name and address bar before they enter sensitive data. I would say also it's really important for end users to heed the browser's warnings. Chrome warns users with a warning in the address bar when they're on an unencrypted site that can be just trivially intercepted. Chrome shows warnings when the user is on a website that Chrome believes to be a phishing or social engineering or malware page or on a page that has a security certificate error, which indicates that the encryption might not be working as intended. And most of those warnings, the user can actually choose to bypass if they click the right sequence of buttons. But we always recommend, unless you really have a very strong technical understanding of what's going on, it's always going to be safer to heed the browser's warnings, and that's going to help keep your data safe. And on that subject of data security and password security, are there other solutions that are available that organizations can introduce? Definitely extension security, as I mentioned, managing extensions. There's a whole suite of other enterprise policies that are available to organizations, which can allow them to do things like control the level of encryption that is used on websites, control some, some aspects of the warnings that the browsers might show. So for example, an IT admin can choose to make it so that users can't click through these warnings I was talking about, can't choose to ignore them. That can be a powerful tool in high-risk environments. You're removing the vulnerability to users who might click through these warnings just because they have a task that they need to get done. And this is the only way that they, that they see to, to get done. So configuring policies like these, uh, there's a whole suite of, of options that can be configured in Chrome for the enterprise setting. 
uh, to help keep users safe uh, according to an organization's needs. This is all really interesting. And I'm now thinking about my own browser usage and what I should be doing differently. So um, thank you for all that really interesting and helpful information. Just one final question. Matt, um, what role is there for policy and, and regulation in this area? So policies and regulations helps inform the user what they can and can't do when they're browsing online. So we always recommend, certainly as a company or as an organization, that you have policies and procedures in place. It means that the user has a set list of guidelines that they have to follow when browsing the internet. So it will be things like, these are the kind of sites that you can visit. This is how you use your browser. If there's any problems, where the user can go to. But also it covers things, if your companies and organizations need to comply with certain rules. So there's ISO 27001 information security standard. There's a GDPR. So policy and procedures definitely have a place in that because it means that companies can adhere to these policies that are obviously essential. And it means that the user is better informed about how to browse the internet safely. That's all we have time for, I'm afraid. Many thanks, Emily and Matt, for joining us today. You've been listening to a special New Statesman Spotlight podcast in partnership with Google Chrome Enterprise. Learn more about how your enterprise browser can protect your company data and improve cybersecurity on the Chrome Enterprise website. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find more of Spotlight's policy reporting in our standalone Spotlight podcast feed or the New Statesman Spotlight website. The links are in the show notes. I'm Becky Slack, and our producer has been Chris Stone. Thanks for listening. Music